Hello, people. We are live from the south side of Chicago at WHPK 88.5. It is Thursday at noon, so that means you are rocking with Ergo Radio. I am Damon. And I'm Kiss. It's very good to be here. I'm actually... I don't know exactly why, but it feels like really, really good to have this space today. How you doing, Dame? You okay? Yeah, I'm all right, man. The, the, the world is a, a crazy and tough place, and it is a lot of ways designed to, to hold us down. But we prevail, kids. We, we, we make it through. Uh, so I'm all right. Much love to the people. Free everybody from jail. Yeah, I hear that. Let's, uh, let's do some community announcements up top. We got a bunch of great stuff going on over the next few days. The first thing... First and foremost, tomorrow, yep, 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 yep. man, it's gonna be, it's gonna be, I think, really fun. If you don't know what I'm talking about, either you haven't been listening to the show the last few weeks, or you haven't been paying attention. And we won't take that personally. It's okay. I'm a little offended. Oh, I'm not okay. gonna lie. He, he, I can't. I'll speak for myself then. I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but the We Go Chicago Showcase and Celebration, the second one that we're putting on, where we get a bunch of guests from Ergo in a room together performing. Plus a pop-up art gallery, community organizations, tabling and fundraising. It's free. All ages, food, drink at the Silver Room tomorrow night. Doors at 7.30. An amazing lineup of people. Great music, great time. And I think, yeah, it's the, the first one, I walked out of there just feeling fulfilled and and restored so hopefully it's gonna be hard to top that so so if we if we get anything close to the first one then y'all are definitely in for a treat also this tuesday is free day it's the last day of cps um let us breathe collective will be at douglas park right across the street or right next to collins academy high school in in north londale uh and we're gonna be celebrating with the kids talking about freedom trying to figure out um how to get them enrolled in different summer opportunities um talking about decarceration uh talking about our state budget and how we don't have one and how the schools might close uh and just the 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 destability that's happening in our community but bringing love and freedom to be able to counteract that and building with the kids and organizing i'm having a good time we have a traveling cookout also free food so come get a plate uh come support come help out uh if you check out let us breathe collective on facebook on twitter um there's a lot of ways that you can support and help out so please do that one of those specific ways that i wanted to make sure we plugged was um we're putting together a resource guide and list of yeah. uh, opportunities paid work opportunities for young people in the city this summer um, that could be, you know, in the arts, it could be something more formal than that. It could be, we need someone to help, you know, move these boxes, whatever, but a, an opportunity to put some cash and some jobs in, in young folks' pockets. So if you know of any programs, uh, people looking for people to do work, you can hit us on Twitter at Ergo Radio, email us at uh, ergoradio at gmail.com with that information, and we'll make sure to get it uh, all set up and get it in the hands of some young people who will be ready to uh to work all summer one other thing to plug real quick one last thing man uh so ergo alum jasmine barber has partnered with the dojo which is a, a, a art space in pilsen and they're doing uh brown skin lady summer sessions on saturday night this coming saturday the 18th uh the dojo is like very secretive about their address so what you got to do they don't really announce it until the day before where it's going to be so check their facebook page but it's going to be a great event um, definitely some overlap with our event tomorrow night, honestly, in terms of who's going to be there. I know Jasmine's doing some hosting duties and performing. Ergo alum Chris Thompson's art will be up. All kinds of things going on. So keep an eye out on the Dojo's Facebook page for that info. Okay. That was everything I got. All right. So I am uh, super honored to have our guest here today. We always have very important people, very strong voices here on Ergo Radio. But this is uh, near and dear to my heart. Um I, I call her mama un, unofficially. Um, here with us, we have uh, the super powerful Dorothy Holmes. Hey, Mama Dorothy, how hey, you feeling? Hey. You come I'm, a little bit closer to the mic. I'm doing okay. All right, yeah. So for those who are not familiar, who are not uh, politically engaged, um, Dorothy Holmes is, is the mother of, of Ronald Ronnie Man Johnson, um, who was murdered by the Chicago Police Department um, in 2014. And she has been um, fearlessly fighting for her son's legacy and for justice in his name ever since. Um, it has really been a, a, a huge spark and igniter uh, for the movement um, against state violence, um, against the attacks on black bodies in the city and in this country. Um, it has been a great inspiration to me um, and has really made the work so much more important and has motivated me um, in ways that I can't even describe. So I'm, I'm so grateful to have you here. How are you feeling on this day? How are you treating the world? How is the world treating you? I'm feeling good today. And the world it's it's a cold system but i'm gonna get through it all right well i 
I, I believe you. I truly do. Um, so before we get too political or, or, or get through um, the story that, that I've, I've heard you tell so much, I'm really excited to have you here and have you up here um, because I've shared space with you many times and, I, and I've observed you from afar on the Internet. Um, and I feel that, you know, as people know your name and know your son's name more and more, uh, I would really want them to get to know you get to know Dorothy Holmes uh, from before 2014, right? Uh, so, so before we get into anything too heavy, uh, you know, just, just, tell us, just tell us who you are. Where, where, where are you from? Are you from? Are you from the city? Are you born and raised there? What, what, was, what part of the city was home growing up? Um, I was born in the city of Chicago, and I was born, like, in the Inglewood area. Okay. So I'm from the south side of Chicago. South side, for sure, yes. for sure. So you, I, I know you got your, uh, your, your hey, Jakai, you want to say hi? Come, come, come right here. So we got uh, Dorothy's granddaughter in here. Say hi to the people. Hi. Right. So we're going to hear from her again later, I'm sure. Uh, but, but you're also um, a, a fearless family woman. Um, and... <clears throat> And I'm really moved always seeing you with, with your babies and your grandbabies. So so tell us about your family and, and uh, like your children and your grandchildren, your nieces and nephews and everything. Um, I have, I'm still going to say I have three kids, even though one is deceased, he's still mass. Mm -hmm. And I have 11 grandkids. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of nieces and nephews, aunts, uncle. I have a nice sized family. Which of them do you like most now? I'm going to say the grandkids. Okay, for sure. For sure. So, so um, what, type of work, what type of work have you done? What, what, what are some of your background and what are some of the things, your, your, your interests and activities and hobbies but, you know, before you got pulled into this movement? Um, I used to work at um, UPS, the post office. And then I have a health issue where I couldn't work anymore. And my hobbies are... I used to love teddy bears. I still love them, <laughs> and spending time with my with the um, grandkids. So let, let's take it. You know, we we did it a little bit, but I want to take it all the way back. So you, you mentioned you're from Englewood area. Um, just tell a little bit about like where, like literally the, like who was in the house growing up. What kind of stuff did you like to do? Like just paint as much of a picture as you can of like what it mm. what it looked like, what it smelled like, what it sounded like around growing up. Um, as growing up as a child myself, I lived in the house with my mom and my three my three brothers. I used to always beat them up, though. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I believe I, it. Yeah, I believe it for sure. <laughs> and I'm the oldest after um, my three brothers. And my mom worked majority of the time, mostly all her life. She's still working. And she was both parents to me. Mother and father, even though I seen my father whenever, but my mom always have been there no matter what. Uh, what high school did you go to? Um, hmm, that's interesting. Okay, I went to um, Richards um, High School. That was all girls school, but in my senior year, you know, being high school, you know, get in trouble, so <laughs> I got put out of there. But I did graduate. I graduated from Wendell Phillips on 39th in okay. Persian. Okay, so I, I really want to know because. When I when I see you, I, you speak with uh, with such a like power, right? Um, and I I know that so much of that is just a mother's love, but but it it feels like there's there's something more that like really intrigues me or makes me curious. So I wonder, have you did you have any avenues for your voice to be heard, or or for you to speak or or perform or take center stage in any way, uh, before you were, were doing the, the type of movement work that you do? Um. Where did that come from? Is the question. Where do you think that? Where do you think that came did from? You, where did you have this? Did you have the solo somewhere? <laughs> I used to like singing when I was little, mm -hmm. and I always wanted to be the boss of everybody. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and with the loss of me losing my son, that made me open up and speak more. But I was always never was told to hold nothing in, let it out, regardless mm -hmm. if it was going to get me in trouble or whatever, to let it out. Mm. So I speak my man. All right. So so I I, I want to now you know bring in your son a, a little bit and um what I want to do before we start talking about you know what happened and the tragedy 
of his passing, I want to talk about who he was as a person and, and his full humanity. Um, because, because sometimes I'm self-conscious about the work that we do as a community, um, because for the, the, the platforms that we have, right. And we, we want to uplift, uh, these names and, and, and these occurrences and these stories. Um, and, and in a lot of ways we end up turning those who we lost into martyrs. Right. But, but, but Ronnie man was like a real human being. Uh, so, so, just just you know talk about him like growing up like like who was your son what type what type of kid was he uh growing up okay um his birthday 12 14 88 and to see a child being born i was very excited about him and he had so many nicknames but the one that finally stuck was ronnie man he used to tr- he couldn't he couldn't dance but <laughs> he always tried and he was good he was good he was a good child growing up I couldn't really say nothing too much bad because everybody that got a child gonna get them some type of problems but it wasn't too many serious problems was nothing I couldn't handle as a single parent and he loved his kids. He loved his family. He was a dog man. He collected dogs from <laughs> whatever neighborhood he went in. He had bring come back with somebody dog and that's kind of a like a it's a, a as hobbies go. That takes a lot as a hobby. <laughs> All of a sudden you got a Did you did you like the dogs? Well, <laughs> <laughs> he had so many, so you couldn't really get, like, attached to him. One thing I could do was, like, help him feed him because he'd be like, well, the dog need food, but it's not my dog. You ain't going to buy my dog no food? <laughs> so I had to take care of animals that wasn't mine, and they really mm. wasn't his. But he he um he was pretty cool with the, with the animals. Yeah, so when he was, let's say when he's, like, six, seven years old, like, what? Um, what did what did he love to do? Did he did he like to draw? Was he a sports kid? What like just you know what kind of what kind of activities did um, he do? Six or seven years old. Let me see. Can I think back that far? No, I'm just <laughs> playing. But um, six or seven years old. I think he was like maybe in first or second grade or something like that. And he was into the animals then because he not had iguanas. He not had snakes. <laughs> And frogs he used to sneak them in the house and had them in shoeboxes. <laughs> and whatever animal is, it was his. You open up the refrigerator and a frog jumps <laughs> No, actually, this is funny because he had found some frogs. He brought them in the house. Found some frogs where? In a lagoon something. <laughs> <laughs> that means he was in a lagoon. <laughs> so he brought, he brought them in the house and hid them in his room in a shoebox. Mm-hmm. And somehow they got out the shoebox, and we like, what are you looking for? And he would never tell us what he was looking for. So his sister and them knew he had them in the house, but they would never tell me what he was looking for. Oh, so, so I happened to go up the stairs, and what do I see jumping? A frog. <laughs> I say, where did this frog come from? They're like, ask your son. <laughs> he going to say, when they got out of my room, if I would have never opened up the door, but what are they doing in here? <laughs> Yeah, so. we got to trace that to the source <laughs> issue there. Yeah, I'm gonna. This so, is a yeah. very brief side note, and it vaguely relates. You and have it has a frog nothing story? to do. With, I have an iguana story. Okay, it's not even mine. It's my father's okay. story. So when my father was a kid, my father grew up in St. Louis, and uh, he, they, his family had an iguana named Spike that they only fed carrots, and it turned orange, mm. like bright orange. So. <laughs> that's the, the the first piece the second piece is so as iguanas and and all things tend to do you know eventually i think my grandpa was out of town on uh business he was out of the country and the iguana passed and my grandma wanted to make sure that my grandpa had a chance to say goodbye to the iguana <laughs> so she wrapped it in a dish towel and put it in the freezer this is an emotional story I'm yeah it sounds like i'm laughing i'm laughing to keep him crying this is so my grandpa came back from this trip and opened the freezer, and there was this like iguana looking out at him, and he he would have been okay without the chance to say <laughs> goodbye. He would have been able to make <laughs> yeah, it. He wasn't grateful <laughs> that he had the chance. So 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 was Ronnie Man a more like serious dude, or was he a silly, funny type of guy? Um, you can you can be mad at him, and he'll do something to make you laugh. <laughs> he always cracked, as I call him, a little dull jokes. <laughs> so. He 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 was he was good. Can you think of of one time like that he that, that sticks out where he really made you laugh? 
Um, but he knew I was about to go upside his head. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, you know how I get when I get mad? I get upset and I just say stuff. But you know, I really don't mean it. I apologize, Dorothy, because he never would have <laughs> called me mama. So it was always Dorothy or if somebody make him mad. I'm going to call my mama over here. Y'all don't want to see her because she ain't going. <laughs> so... That's what type of kid he did, was. Did you ever? Did you? Did he ever actually call you? Did you ever have to show up and not go? No, I sometimes I had to literally show up to calm him down because he oh, had been. Okay. I got into it with another family member, and mm. I didn't raise my kids to be disrespectful towards grown people. Mm. So mm. that's when I had to step in. So, what were like some of the qualities that that he was like working on or, or trying to develop what were some of the things like some of the the weaknesses that he was working to, to turn into strengths because i think to really like appreciate somebody's humanity we had to get the full full he, sense of who he was okay he didn't graduate from high school he stopped going to school in his senior year and he was working on going back to get his GED, and then he was always talking about he wanted to work with the animals so he was talking about becoming a um, veterinarian oh, that's beautiful so yeah and he spend like a lot of time trying to help his. They do no help the kids with their homework and stuff like that. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and so he was your oldest. Yes. He's your oldest, right? Yes. And so you're the oldest, and he was the oldest, yes. right? And so, so how um, was that dynamic between y'all? And in what ways were y'all similar or different with your siblings, right? Like, how how were you with your siblings compared to how he was with, with his? Well, I'll say it was a lot of similarities because I was. I was overprotected over my brothers, mm -hmm. and he was overprotected over his sisters right. and me. Right, and so, so you were the only girl, he was the only boy? Yeah. Okay. So he was overprotected over his sisters. They, Some guys he didn't, he wasn't okay with. He didn't want them around his sisters. And other than that, yeah, he, he had his similarities to like that. So so we're going to take a break real quick. Let's let you catch your breath. Let you drink some of that water. Okay. And we're going to get back uh, talking to Miss Dorothy Holmes. This is Ergo Radio, WHBK 88.5. I've got my heart on my sleeve. Soon it went rain, rain from the bleed. I've been doing lately. Give me some more. Give me some more. 
Ergo Radio WHPK. Hey, that was a, a good selection there, DJ Empathy. What, what's Thanks. that? Thanks. I'd like to take credit for it, uh, and I will take credit for it, Please but do. I'd like to share the credit with uh, Ben Niaspizzani, a.k.a. Neon Pajamas, who sends us the instrumentals uh, that we use to open the show every week. You can check out some of his work over at thesedays.news. He's part of the team over there. Shout out to them. And also, you know, with Mishka, and he puts on shows at Emporium. He's a good dude. Neon Pajamas on Twitter. And he has excellent taste. So that was Siren featuring Chance. It's called Take It. I really like that song. Yeah, um, yeah so shout out to Ben. That's love. So so we are here uh, with Miss Dorothy Holmes and little sticker bugs in, <laughs> in, in here with us. Uh, but, uh, you know, I now want to get into um, the day that we lost Ronnie Man. Um, and and I, I would love to hear you, you tell that story. But I, I would like to know how how did you first get the news and 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 kind of you know what you feel comfortable with describing some of how that day was for you um i was sitting at my cousin's house just i got through getting my hair did and my phone was ringing it and when i looked at him like oh she don't want nothing so i didn't answer it then she called right back and i told my other daughter which is tay tay like answer the phone and see what she want which is rah rah and Tay-Tay got to screaming how like, who? Who got shot? Nah, my brother ain't get shot. Then uh, I'm like, my son got shot? She was like, yeah, they saying Rainy Man got shot. So I'm like, where he at? And they was like, he on 53rd and King Drive. So I ran out the door and I jumped in my car. I think I made it to 53rd and King Drive within like four minutes from 120-something <laughs> normal. And when I made it to the scene... Like, when I got, like, to 55th and Garfield, all I seen was, like, lights flashing and yellow tape up. So as I get closer to the scene, I couldn't get up the block, so I parked right there on the side of this grammar school that's right there on King Drive. And they had the street blocked off, and a guy walked up to me like, um, they shot him for no reason. I'm like, who shot him? He said, the police on my heart dropped in. So I asked the police, like, where's my son at? And... He was like, he gone to the hospital. We like, what hospital? He said, Northwestern. So I get back in my car. I made been like 10, 10 minutes from Northwestern Hospital, and I got the phone call back saying he was gone and that he was at um, the University of Chicago Hospital. Hmm. So, so they had, just to clarify, they hadn't, Brought him to Northwestern. He'd gone to Chicago, or that he, he had gone to Northwestern. They took him straight to the University of Chicago. They so, was giving everybody the run around. They gave right, him so like, they sent you to the wrong place. Yes, man. Yeah, so so it, it, it's really a, a heartbreaking um, story. Um, so 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 from that day, right? Um, unfortunately, what what's what's really sad about this story is that you were not alone. Right, you were not the only mother. Um, that has has lost their child to violence in the city, particularly from violence from the Chicago Police Department. Um, but where you may stand alone is in the ferocity with which you you fought back and have stood up for his legacy. So from that first heartbreaking day, um, at, at what point did you start the fight for 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 your son? Uh, was it was it immediate or or, or um, how were the steps of of those first few days, weeks, and months? Um, well, I had, once I had buried him and I still hadn't heard nothing from the city saying why my son was murdered. So I started just thinking to myself, like, no, I just can't sit here. I got to do what I got to do. So, of course, I, um, met with some, um, organizations, started talking to them. And I met with Frank Chapman. I met with him. And was telling him what happened to my son and me and my daughter and a couple of people from his office went down to Emperor. And I had a note typed up, notarized and everything, and I gave it to them and I asked them why I haven't heard from no one. And So literally nobody. I just, I, I, I'm going to keep doing this because I want to make sure we get it right. So you know that your son was shot by CPD. 
days pass, you've buried him, and no one has talked to you, no one's, nothing. No, but one thing I synced on the news was the night he was killed, when they gave a statement saying he turned around and he pointed a gun at the police, which I knew that was a lie. Wasn't the first story that he actually, that he was shooting at the police, wasn't that? No, they just said that he turned around and pointed. Yes, and that he had shot a um, Wendell, a Wendell out of a building or something over there. Right, and so... What a lot of the fight was um, when when I first met you, which was at the one year anniversary, um, was to get the video released. Yes. Right. Because what happened was the reports that were were passed all throughout the media. Right. Was this story that that he endangered the off the the lives of these officers and turned and pointed a gun at yes. him. Yes. Um, and the video very clearly shows that he was running away very fast um, and and was shot in the back. So when when did you first see the video? Um, and how did and how how long of a fight and how did did you get to be able to get access to it? Um, actually, I think they was keeping that video a secret. And how I found out about that video was in March of 2015 when I went to Emperor because it was also another video surfacing that somebody took with their phone, mm. and I seen that video. And once I kept looking at that video, I kept saying like it's another video out there. Somebody got it on video, and when I told the guy Emperor, like, I have a video. And he like, what video you got? I said, the video showing them covering his body up on the scene that let me know he died right there. Why did they move his body? Mm. Then he was like, no, we got our own video. So I immediately let the attorney know, like, they got a video of my mm. son being murdered. Oh, wow. So if you wouldn't have presented the fact that you had some evidence, they would have never even told you that that was footage. No. Wow. Yeah. And... I'm I'm thinking about the um <laughs> I have a kind of I think a lot of people have a kind of complicated relationship to this to this footage right and a lot of it is from this like the outsider awareness point of view of what it what it means to see that uh that violence in front of you on footage but then I there's the of course other piece which is like I can't even imagine what it's like to watch that did you have any tension in deciding, like, whether to see that footage? Was it something that you wanted? Was it something you struggled with? Um, when I first seen the footage, I didn't want to see it, but I had my grandson with me. I was in the lawyer's office, and every time I tried to walk out that office to keep from looking at that video, someone let me leave. So I went here like, yeah, show me the video. I said, I want to see this video. So she showed me that video, and I'm like, wow. She's like, what? I said, I'm still looking for the gun in his hand. Yeah. And she was like, um, that's what we looking for, too. <laughs> and you're so, not going to find it. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I watched it like twice, but the part when he fell and all that, they didn't let me see that part, but she let me see the part where the officer jumps out the back seat and just starts shooting. And so this was... It happened on October 12th or 13th? October the 12th, 2014. October 12th, which was actually eight days before Laquan McDonald's murder, right? Yes. Right. Um, and so when was it that you actually, by the time you were able to see the footage, what month was that? Um, you said March maybe? No, it wasn't in March. I don't think I synced that video till I want to say maybe like june july somewhere up in there okay and so i think that's around i think maybe the first time i i i saw you and met you uh was around april uh around the time when, when the baltimore uprising was happening we had a rally in front of cpd uh but then when i when i really felt connected or when i was really moved uh where it became past being political and became very human and emotional was on the one year anniversary um and seeing how you had organized your entire family and seeing all of the babies and and, and seeing all of the t-shirts um when when did that moment start from okay i i'm hurt i'm angry i have questions with no answers now i've seen this footage now i'm going to organize and and, and i'm gonna go speak at rallies i'm gonna be at press conferences i'm gonna have t-shirts and buttons printed up like how did that that process and that that where did that courage come from um i was um i think i had i had spoke with a mother and i asked her how do she deal with it knowing that the police killed her son and she was like um matter of fact her name pansy Edwards. much love to pansy, so, the mother of dakota Burke. yeah so i asked her she like she like it's hard she said, just take it one day at a time. She said, you're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. So 
at that point then I was like, okay, now I got to fight. Then I've been fighting ever since then. Yeah. I I wanna I wanna backtrack one more time. Um I've been thinking a lot just in, in other cases too about like the the way that we remember the moments of this pain or this trauma and like we've done the story we just discussed the story of that day but i'm curious now looking you know a year and a half later at the few days that followed like the next two or three days um what sticks out in your mind as things that were helpful for you what who 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 was there in a way that felt good and what were some yeah what were some of the 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 helpful and some of the really uh hard parts of those of those couple days because i i think they tend to become kind of a blur uh, afterwards. Um, when he first got killed, um, I had like a lot of family support for the first like three, three, four days and maybe a week or two after I laid him to rest. And after that, I was like on my own, but I still had my mom and my brother and them by mm -hmm. my side. And, and so just thinking about the, the timeline, right? Like, as someone who now identifies as an organized, someone who's a, uh, an inten intentionally part of this movement for black lives, um, my entry point was actually August of 2014 after Mike Brown died in the uprising in Ferguson. Um, at, at what point did you realize that what had happened to your son was connected to like a larger movement um, that had not really been existing for the last few years? um th that were, it was able to give you a platform and, and to be able to fight at what point did you make that connection like oh there's a lot going on and, and i can connect with a lot of people to be able to, to work for my son's honor um i had been following the raquel boy story with mm -hmm. martinez and i had been following his story and then um right before my son got killed rashad mcintosh got killed um august of 20 of 2014 mm -hmm. i never forget because that was my daughter's birthday mm -hmm. and my son has just said like man the police just out here killing people he said that's why i stay out their way and mm -hmm. when i when i lost him and i thought about what he said oh, wow. so i'm like okay now i gotta do what i got to do and i just started fighting and refused to give up and so I'm I'm really curious, like, what is then, now that you you know are a part of uh, a part of this movement from a very unique position, right? Like, this is the it's about the system and it's about everything that's going on, but this is like specifically about your baby, right? Uh, and so for you, what has been like your your opinion or, or take of of this movement has been you know mostly youth led people under forty, right? Have have been like the majority of of the people doing this work and and, and you know. I know that we have our limitations. How how does how, how does it feel to to be in in this space and and and, and what is kind of your assessment of of the fight that has been going on almost for two years now? Uh, and to that, what yeah, what are the things that worked and what are the ways that the movement for you has missed the mark? Um, since I've been getting like support from the movement, is it uh, it uplifts me a whole lot. It keep me like focused. And let me know that I'm not the only one fighting this and I'm not alone. And it make me go after these corrupt politicians. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And so uh, to, to follow up on that question, and, and then I wanted to uh, like get into kind of how, how you go after people, um, is that I, I know that you are always willing to show up and you, you show up with a smile. Um, and so sometimes I, I worry or I, I get uncomfortable when I, when I call you because I know that so often um, family members of, of, of victims to violence can become like political figures um, and get put up like on a pedestal some ways. As it's, symbols. Yeah. yeah. Is there any time where, you know, you, you do show up or you do get asked in a way that feels uncomfortable? Are there any ways that like you may not have felt comfortable saying no or, or, or giving some pushback um, of, of, of a way that the movement can be better responsive to you or, or, or help you in better ways? Or has there ever been a way, a moment uh, where you felt uncomfortable in, in any type of way? Um, no. That's good to hear. No. <laughs> that's that's, that's <laughs> really like good a, to hear. Real weight yeah. off your shoulders, <laughs> No, I'm not. I'm not uncomfortable. 
because believe me, if I was uncomfortable, I'd be like, stop calling me. Okay. Right. <laughs> I'm, I'm not uncomfortable. Sometimes I'd be needing people to talk to, and I'd probably just call Aislinn and just strike up a conversation. Shout out Aislinn yeah. from Black Lives Matter. <laughs> I'd probably call her and just strike up a conversation, even though that's not what I'm calling her about. But mm -hmm. it feels good to hear somebody else's voice, and they walk at that time of night when I'm woke. Yeah, and I want to ask you specifically about... <laughs> This gentleman right here, um, because I've heard, you know, like he said, he calls you Mama Dorothy. And I've seen like when you walk in somewhere, his face lights up. Um, do you beyond just like the first time you met, like uh, how, who for you, who is this guy? <laughs> That's my other son. <laughs> That's my other son. And what what is it about? that relation i just i think it's all it, it's important because it, it is beyond the movement what what is it for you who what is it about that relationship that made it feel so close between the two of you um when i first met him it was, it was just a smile that that lit up everything even though he was holding back his tears but it was just his smile and the uplifting words that he gave like you're not alone in this battle yeah. You lost your son, but you still got one here with you. Mm. So, ever since that day, it's like, all right. Yeah. And then to know that he's there to fight with me for my son, I got much love for him. You're pretty cool, then. Man, you're trying to make me cry on the radio, man. I'm glad y'all can't. <laughs> that would be a first. We've gone 47 episodes <laughs> without any tears. Good yeah, yeah, but thank you so much, and 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 and, and that means so much to hear. Um, so I, I want to get into like some of the specifics of like the case and, and the contradictions and just how petty this shit stuff is. <laughs> we got beef with the FCC here, y'all. Uh, but but yeah, I I think. I want to go in what, what feels like the most significant to, to me uh, is that I think your son's case in re connection um, to Laquan and, and in connection to Rakia Boyd um, and then also just like kind of some of the drug policies and, and the policing of this city uh, is what gave the fire to get a, a state's attorney out of office right yeah um and and i think what was the last straw was her um going on television um and showing the video of your son getting shot in the back and her using her position as the lead prosecutor in this county um to defend to become basically a defense attorney um for the offices in a way that was like unexcusable um and was just showing showing images of black men from four or five years ago from different cities running away shooting at a police to to, to show how it was valid for them to kill your son um and and, and your work to expose um her contradictions like got her out of office how did how did that feel um and what were some of the the like encounters you had with her um and then how did it feel to to, to see that day when that she was not no longer going to be in office um when i first seen the um the video and um they had said that the officer wasn't going to be charged for murdering my son that made me hate her and i was never told to use that word hate unless i mean it and i meant it that mm -hmm. day i hate her and to see what she did with that video footage, that was unacceptable. And that's why I tell them, everybody that agreed to saying that he had a gun in his hand, they are bald-faced and lie right along with her. And I'm not I'm not accepting that. Now, she said she wasn't going to be intimidated or bullied by me. And I told her I wasn't going to be intimidated or <laughs> bullied by her ridiculous. either. So, And yeah. I promised her that we was going to get her out of office. And we did it thanks to Paige, Mayor <laughs> Santa's daughter. Yeah. We got her out of there. <laughs> Yeah, that's love. And for those who are not familiar with the case or are not kind of aware of what's happening, what she did was basically show shadows around his, his hand to say that that possibly could have been a gun, but showed a video where there was absolutely no conclusive evidence um, at all. Um, and, and so also, I think th that was that day, which was really heartbreaking for me. And then I, I believe it was like the next day or two, um, the the or later that day you made a statement um and we had a press conference in, in a march um and from some of your comments right the city filed an injunction against you right and like yeah. basically after not charging the officer for killing your son they they in a way kind of filed charges against you kind of explain your understanding of what that was <laughs> and that just made you laugh is like well, that was amazing <laughs> i was furious yeah. <laughs> um, okay we did a press conference right there where he got killed that 
And I made a statement saying that what goes around comes around. He got kids too. And if he want to take it as a threat, he can. So I guess he took it as a threat (laughs) and he filed charges against me. But I guess they was feeling some type of way that they probably was like, okay, we got to leave this lady alone. Yeah, it was it was ridiculous. Not yeah. only was it so insensitive, but it was also stupid Like to, to charge a grieving mother with anything where you're not charging somebody with, with the death of her son. So we went up to City Hall yeah. the next day, and, <laughs> and we stopped off on them, and, 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 and then they dropped the charges. So that was something that uh, I was really proud of. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you are f- free to speak about it, but I've also heard like a lot of contradictions or things that were like improper basically cover up type actions on that night to kind of backtrack a little bit i think the first you, you mentioned that they told you he was headed to the, the trauma center in northwestern yeah when he was when he died on the scene correct yes, yes um and then also the weapon that they claim was his they took from the scene and could not find any fingerprints on it is, is, yes, is that they correct said they couldn't find any fingerprints on the weapon um then they said they found his DNA on there. So the DNA was look um comes to look like maybe they had a Q tip and dabbed the the weapon with blood. And they also had took a picture of the gun in the trunk of the police car. Which is like not not the legal procedure exactly. of what you were su- su- yes. su- su- supposed to do. And then also it was kind of like smeared in in, in his blood, right? Mm-hmm. Um just for, for people to hear that, right? Like the way the Chicago Police Department operates. Uh, but to take a kind of a, a shift or turn um, from from the you know the so heavy, um, I think what is also inspires me most um, is seeing the way that you use this tragedy to celebrate life, to celebrate your family, and also be a fixture in 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 the com- your community. So uh, I remember on his last birthday, you threw like a birthday party for him and had all your grandbabies there and, and you know, some, some members of the movement. Um, and you started a toy drive because yes. he, cause he's a, a winter baby. Yes. Um, and we went to his preschool. He went to the school that he went to in the schools that his nieces and nephews and we handed out toys to yes. like first graders and kindergartners and, and hundreds and hundreds of dollars. People donated <laughs> from all over the city to, for, you, for you to be able to pass out toys. How did yes. that feel? How did you have that idea? I remember when you called me and said that you wanted to do it. How how did that come about and how did it feel to be able to accomplish that? Um, actually I had talked to his kids and then I'm like, um, what, what y'all want to do? And it's like, well, grandma, can we give, give kids toys? I'm like, we ain't got no money to get nobody, mm-hmm. no toys. Then I'm like, okay, I'm going to see what I can do. Mm-hmm. So that's when I came to you all. It's <laughs> like, um, I want to do a toy drive in the honoring of him. Cause the first he got killed, that year we did one it was kind of small but we still passed them out to the kids in the neighborhood where he actually got killed at Mm -hmm. so the second one was huge and I was I I think I was probably more excited than the kids yeah your living room was was to the ceiling of toys I ain't never seen nothing like it before yeah. Jakai, how'd you feel about having all them toys in your grandma's house? You want you want to come say something? You remember the toy drive? All right. She's not gonna say nothing. But she was a big part of it. I think after what was really beautiful is after we went to the schools is that we took all your grandkids and we just went through your neighborhood and went door to door dropping yeah. off toys at kids' doorsteps. Yeah. How, how did that make you feel for for your holiday season? That made me feel real good. No, I, it was it was all wonderful. I'm ready to do it again this year too. Yeah, I mean it's kind of this it's one of these beautiful things where like, I don't know, I'm thinking, cause with some of the, the I'm, I'm rambling, but the, 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 the joint effort of like the folks who spend their time challenging up and the folks who like that spirit that you had of what we should do here in addition to all the other ways that we fight is like that giving out toys is a form of fighting too. Um, and and it comes from this place, it seems, of like, we just need to, like, it, it's based in this joy and this like insistence on creating joy for people um, that, and, and it, to me, it feels like that's part of what you're super determined to do is like, they're not gonna keep me from creating joy for people I love. Um, does that seem right? I know that's not a question, but like, does it, does that, does that ring true? Cause it, that's, that's the feeling that I get in the limited times I've seen you at actions and stuff like that is you're just like, 
the determination is so strong, but it's not this like grim determination. It's just like, we are going to live our lives. We are going to live with joy. Yes, we are going to live with joy because I, I got, I'm, I'm his voice now. He's not here to talk. So mm. I'm his voice now. And I got to be here for his kids and make sure they happy and they be want to come up with ideas and when they ask me certain stuff i'm like okay i'm gonna see what i can do yeah speaking of which he has three or four children i know you got a he little boy five. five okay i know you got a little boy that yeah. look that look just like that's the youngest right yeah. and so another thing that that you are doing that i'm excited why i'm glad we have you on this week is that you're doing you're holding an event on this father's day in his honor right yeah so tell the people about that and if they can come out or how they can support man we didn't plug up top we should <laughs> no no we gotta let her tell it <laughs> Okay, um, I came up with the idea to honor him on Father's Day and invite everyone out to come out and support. If they don't do nothing but donate pot water, hamburgers, hot dogs, and we're going to have the Jumping Jack. Thanks, Damien. <laughs> and <laughs> we're going to have a, a live DJ. Thanks, Kofi from Black Lives Matter. Sure, shout out. <laughs> and... Um, Where's it going to be? And what it's time? Go, it's going to start at 3 o'clock, 12 South Low Avenue, which is the block that I live on. And everybody on the block has been supportive. Mm -hmm. They signed a paper for me to get the um the permit yeah. for the block. So they've been supportive. They said they didn't know that that was my son, and they didn't know it was close to home. They didn't even know I lived in that house because I mm -hmm. really don't communicate with people mm -hmm. on the block. But... Mm -hmm. Once they, you know, read the article and they seen that they was like, oh, wow, of course we'll sign this. We haven't had none on the block in a long time for the kids. Yeah. So it's going to be a day of fun for the kids. Man, this weekend is so fantastic. <laughs> so you got, we go Friday. You got the thing at the dojo Saturday. Sunday, you go out support that. Monday, rest. Tuesday, you go to free day. Like, this is like the best week yeah, in Chicago. Yeah, we, we got you hooked up. You're trying to get some sun and, <laughs> and do some good things. Um, so, so, yeah, I, you know, we got about 10 minutes left before we get out of here. Ergo Radio, WHPK. Um, and I, I, I want to talk a little a, a little bit more about the fact that even though the, the state's attorney's office did not file charges, right, you are not done fighting. You show up every month still to the, to the Chicago Police Board hearings, um, and you, you tell them off. I'd be so proud of what you tell them to quit their job and that we coming for them and, and just how horrible that they are for, for allowing the system to operate in the way that it does. But often um, in, in ways that I don't fully comprehend, you, you, you're you telling me that like through your legal counsel, um, there is still a fight to be had, even though char charges weren't filed yeah. um, in Illinois. So 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 what, what is next or, or, or what is what is happening now? Um, well, right now they're still doing depositions. So don't know how long that's going to be, but I did receive a letter from Emperor, asking Emperor, which me, is the uh, Independent Police Review Authority. For those who don't know, they really are weak as hell. Yes. We'll, we'll put independent in quotes. <laughs> <laughs> so they would want to know that I want to come down and look at the tape, the video, or did I want to listen to the um, audio or anything like that, and that the case is still being investigated. So. With that being said, it's still it's still a battle because he still can get charged somewhere down the line for murdering my son. It don't it might be a year now or two, but I'm pushing for it to be soon as possible. And isn't it wild how long this pro like the the process is inherently long and slow, and then when people draw it out like. It just it takes so long. <laughs> yes, it's it's ta it's taking real long because it's going to be two years this year in October, and I guess the battle at the at before it's all over with it'll be worth it because I'm not giving up and I'm coming for him. Mm. Yeah. So so as we we uh, are getting close to winding down, uh, I kind of want to talk or hear about your vision a little bit because from what i see and from listening to you today um right like what has happened to your family has changed you forever right and you, mm -hmm. and you have experienced things and have become you know you're, you're you but become a, a new person or, or operate in the world in a different way um and so with that um hypothetically right like let's say we win the fight 
or that the fight is over for the, the specific case with Officer Hernandez and your son. Uh, what is your vision for the work that you want to do? And what is your, your vision uh, for the community in the overall fight, right? Like, like what do you see going down the line past um, the, this specific case? Um, or are you going to take a break, which you would be like totally entitled to do? And we, <laughs> we could just have barbecues. Um, no. I'm a, uh, once this case, I'm going to say over with and Hernandez is charged with the murder of my son. We still got other cases out there that we got to keep fighting for and get the families to come out to speak about their case. And the money that the city is offering people, don't let that be a hush-hush on what happened to your child. Yeah, um, I mean, I want to, this is actually was something I, I made a note of I wanted to touch on. So this is like, of all of the grotesque horror of the way that the city operates, like this to me feels like the one of the most like, oh, just like grievously gross is that you commit murder and then you use the money that was deprived of the place where that person is from to make the family be quiet. Like that, there's just like that... So, <laughs> that being said, they came to you with a, at some point with a settlement offer, right? No. No, never to you? No. Um, have you talked, and you, you mentioned some of the other families, and I was at one of the police board hearings that Martinez said, like, uh, like welcome to the, you know, the, this, this family, this club, that it's the worst club, you know, something like that. Some of the, I'm, I'm curious about the relationship that you have um, either in regard to like the decision of whether or not for other people to take that money or just in general uh, with, you know, some of the other people who have lost loved ones this way and, and what those relationships look like uh, and whether they're, you know, similar to any other relationships in your life. Because it seems like this very unique uh, and at this point pretty close-knit family. Um. Well, I think when they be if they pay you that money off before the case even make it to a trial or to a hearing, it's a cover up. Mm-hmm. And once and once you take that money, it's like you okay with what they did to your child. Mm-hmm. But if you stand on stand on ground to let them know that you're not having it, you're not tolerating it, then I'd rather go along with the process of waiting. I won't care if it's five years from now. I'm still gonna fight for my son. Mm-hmm. And so with that, um, I think y'all are so strong and powerful when y'all are in the room together. Um, but I know that y'all also have like your own lives and, and still, you know, bills to pay and, and, and real like just everyday family concerns. Um, do, do y'all have any like collective plans or collective visions on how as a unit um, y'all can stay together and, and continue this fight in a, in a unified way? Or, or do you know, you just end up being in the same space often? Um, most of us, like some of, some of the families I talk to through text messages or we might come to a, to, to the same event and we communicate. Then you got some families that say, well, the lawyer said, don't say this, don't say that. Okay, then I'm going to leave you alone. I'm going to go talk to somebody else. Then we take it from there. We still talk. We stay focused. They have an event. I show up. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. And, and I'm thinking like to, in now with this time passing and you know the fight is a piece of your life but you also have your life and it all becomes one on the i don't want to say bad days but on the on the hard days what are some ways that you whether it's people you turn to for support or routines you have that you know will like help you get through those tough days like how do you take care of yourself in the, on those days um um, some like them tough days, I'd rather be by myself. Don't want to be around nobody. Or I might cut my phone off or I might don't answer it. Or I'll go sit around my brother now. Mm. So that's how I get through some of my days. Yeah. Um, what what has been, right, the, the, the thing that you've taken from all this process um, that has been like, the greatest takeaway, right? Like, wh- like, what have you like learned, so to speak? Because what you're doing, right, takes so much courage. Because one, you you constantly relive the trauma of like the worst thing that can happen to a person losing their child. Uh, but also, you you are like 
very publicly like opposing uh, uh, one of the like worst the most violent gangs or armies in the country and therefore in the world right like chicago politics is historically corrupt um and in the, the chicago police department is like historically violent um uh, and and they definitely uh, are known to intimidate people who speak up against them so one first like how have you had to experience any of that or, or or is that a concern moving forward and from this process overall and this 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 horrible uh, but it also, in a lot of ways, empowering 18 months or so. Uh, what, what have you kind of learned? Um, I learned not to trust the city of Chicago system. First and foremost. And for me to keep my head up, keep going forward, and let them know that they is not going to intimidate me, they're not going to harass me, and they need to stay their distance from me before I be like, my deal was on Tyler Perry <laughs> <laughs> calling everybody, telling them to cut the TV on. Ooh, girl, they're trying to get me. <laughs> so it's their best best is to stay away from me like they've been doing because I'm going to keep saying what I want to say. Well, we really appreciate you doing that today. Yeah, um, yeah. Dorothy Holmes for mayor, y'all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to make buttons and start handing them out. Um, but, you yeah, know, it's been really a joy having you here and, and, and getting to know you a little bit. And, we, you know, we kind of say it communally at the end of stuff, you know, where everyone chants, we love you, but, you know, we do. And, and I love you all, too. Um, but before we get out of here, it's, I think we had, like, a little bit of a song that you wanted to sing, not Dorothy, but... Uh, Come on, stick a bud. We got a little Kaya here. This is your moment, right? This is it. Are you, <laughs> you going to do it? You going to do it? You got it? Uh-oh. You need the music. Oh, you need the song. Under? All right, we, we can we can cue it up for you. This is WHBK Ergo Radio. We we about to get out of here. We gonna let oh, Jakaya take us out if we can pull it. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah, cause the internet went out. Damn. We apologize. We don't have any. Can, can, wow. can you give us a little acapella or? Oh, hold on. No, I don't have. We're that. not prepared here at Ergo Radio. These type of things happen. Hold on. Sing a little of it. <laughs> but the thing is that we won't be able to hear it anyway with the headphone without the headphone. I know, but we can't. If I play the music there, you won't be able to hear it in the studio because we don't have the headphones. Uh, Maybe we could just play it in the speaker a little bit. Okay, here, I'm just going to pull this up. This is a, it's not great radio professionally, but it is like, this is what we do. This here. is what we do here. <laughs> we got, Jakaya, what's your last name, Jakaya? Harris. Harris. We about to hear from Jakaya Harris as soon as we cue up this song. Here you go. You got it? This is every praise. It's to our God. Everywhere the worship is one of our core. Every praise. Every praise. Is to our God. Yeah. So Miss Holmes, before we get out of here, is there any website or any information people need to uh know or need to follow if they want to support? Um, I have an event page set up on Facebook for Sunday. For Sunday, so you can go on there and pull it up. Or if you want to make donations, you can also inbox me on Facebook as Dorothy Holmes. All right, so we have my mommy here, Dorothy Holmes, on Ergo Radio. I am so uh, proud and grateful to ha have her here. Thank you and much love. And shout out to our sponsor, the Lighthouse Grill on 53rd. If you got some time, we can get you a meal real quick. It's 1373 East 53rd Street. And shouts to Rico over there for the great write up on rollingout.com. He's over here, you know, with, as he called it, his ministry. It's beautiful. It's a great article. I posted it on the uh, Ergo Facebook page. So shouts to them. Come through tomorrow, Friday, 617, 7.30 p.m. It's going to be great. You're listening to Ergo WHPK. What a pleasure. Talk to you next week.